Okay, so here's my hot take because, and I honestly feel like a lot of my identity is wrapped up in this issue because I feel very passionate about it because I've seen it. And every time I see it, it drives me actually crazy. People in their 20s need to stop getting married. Like, I will start a GoFundMe. I will start a charity. There should be a day, just just like how we have like a mental health Bell Let's Talk day. We should have, just, just a reminder, don't get married in your 20s day. I can't keep seeing this shit on Facebook, on Twitter. It's not romantic. It's not cute. Genuinely, nobody gives a fuck. Like the most that anybody is thinking when they see it is, oh, that's cool. Good for them. They found what they think is love because you're not actually in love, straight up. Maybe you are. Maybe you think you are. But I genuinely think, how, how... can you say that you're in love with another person and you your brain isn't even done developing yet? How does that make any sense? And I don't think that people that get married in their 20s do it for people on Facebook and Twitter to be happy for them. Of course not. But like, it is such a bad, if, if I personally knew anybody that was getting married in their 20s, like in my family, I would literally just start laughing. How do you go, how are you 22 or 23 years old? Like not even your 20, not even like 28. How are you like in your early 20s or even mid 20s and thinking that that's a good idea is what I would love. I, I genuinely would love to talk to somebody who is in their 20s and getting married and just understanding um, what the, even if you're, even if you're in love, don't get married in your 20s. Just wait until your brain is done developing and your chemicals and, every, and everything it, it makes sense in your life. Just wait until you're at least 35 to be like, okay, you know what? Yeah, we've been in love now for 15 years. I think it's time that we get married because that makes sense. It's been 15 years. We're still together. Let's, let's do it. But please, not, oh, we've been together for three years and we, we think we're in love. Let's do it. Cause you know what that turns into? That turns into a bunch of people that are um, going that because when you get divorced, because it will happen, I think, what is it now? Like 50% of the population is divorced. That's a really high number. You're just going to have more people going through a midlife crisis and we don't need that. I'm sorry. I just have to go on a bit of a tangent because I keep seeing people on Facebook getting married that I went to high school with and it just blows my fucking mind right off it makes me angry like it makes me genuinely pissed off it's like you think that this is something and it's not like i'm i'm tr- i'm sorry whoever lied to you about how life works <laughs> that you think getting married and oh my god you think you're 23 years old and you found the love of your life that's hilarious that is so funny no you did not it's going to end and it's going to end terribly and you're going to get divorced and if you don't, that's great. But most of the, more likely than not, you're going to get divorced. I think, you know what I think? I think as soon as people in their 20s get engaged, I think it should be a law that like there's a third party, like a standby person 
that like as soon as they're done like embracing and everything and they're just like so happy about this engagement they just like run up to them and show them a picture of their like future child just like crying in the car on their way back to dad's house mm -hmm. yes yes and uh yeah okay so i'm gonna take a pretty hard turn here and introduce um the guest on this week's podcast thank you guys so much by the way for being patient because i just had such a wicked headache yesterday night. I was in no mood to stare at a screen and start editing. So um, yeah, so that explains why this came out a bit later. The thing that I miss the most about comedy is, and I think all comedians are on board with this, is just chatting, you know, after shows and telling jokes and talking about funny things that have happened to us. Um, and that's just, that's literally what I miss most about it. And talking to other comedians on this podcast makes me kind of reconnect with that part of my life a little bit, even though it is through screen and in broad daylight instead of at midnight. Um, you know, so it does make it that much easier. And the person that I had on the podcast is just so funny. And um, I... I really enjoyed this episode. I know that I say every episode is amazing um, because truly I believe that they are because I have amazing guests on and this is definitely no exception. Uh, Catherine Niker is on the podcast. She's a writer and a comedian. She's written for 22 Minutes, The Beaverton. She's written for a sitcom called The Parker Andersons that's coming out in 2021. Yeah, I'm just really excited for you guys to listen to it. Catherine's amazing. She's so funny. And um, I literally cannot wait for you guys to um, hear our conversation, to be honest with you. <clears throat> I don't know if that sounds narcissistic or whatever, but straight up, this is this is a good one. Anyway, uh, I'm just going to start the podcast. So thank you guys for listening. Sorry that this came out a little bit later. Um, not that, you know, this podcast is so important that people are just like dying to hear another episode, but I like to release them on a schedule like every Monday so that... Um, I don't know, just to have some sort of schedule. And uh, I mean, every podcast has a day that it should be released on. I don't think people are just putting out episodes like at random. So um, yeah, anyway, enjoy this episode uh, as much as I enjoyed recording it. And uh, yeah, thanks and peace. Dude, people come on and they're like talking. They've got like candles set up and like a fucking kid crying in the background. I'm like, just, it's okay if you couldn't do this podcast. It's really <laughs> all right. If you had to be somewhere else, don't worry about it. There was somebody I asked to be on the podcast and they were like, is that okay if I do it while I'm walking? I'm like, no, no. Oh my God. Who would say, did, have they not heard of a podcast? Uh, they have. I just think they don't respect me at all. And that's totally understandable. No, that's not understandable. <laughs> unacceptable entirely. <laughs> I love I your glasses. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I don't know, man. People are in weird um, places in their lives. Like, I don't know. Like, what are yeah. days and weeks and, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So they're just like, oh, yeah, I'll just fit this into my daily routine. And it's like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's funny though. Cause I was like, I was debating going to therapy cause right now I'm at home. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I like, like my parents are in the house and I'm like, I don't want to have a therapy session if you guys can hear me at all. Like that just defeats the purpose. Yeah, it does. Uh, so I've been like going on walks and then just like talking to my therapist on the phone and she just like, hears cars going by and stuff. I'm like, this is just what it is right now. This is how it's gotta be. Yeah. It would be kind of get why people want to do this on a walk. I don't know. It would be, I feel like you need to do it inside a car. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. You know what I mean? Like if you could hold on, I'm like, this part of my hair is bugging me. Like if you could (laughs) rent a car, you know what I mean? (laughs) and then just rent a car it's like oh god this isn't working at all sorry hold on your hair looks so good (laughs) hold on okay that makes more sense um yeah like if you could sit in a car and do it that would be better yeah it's crying a car parents have a car that you can borrow yeah they do and i don't have a license so i'll just like literally sit in it with it on yeah because at least no one's gonna hear you then yeah oh that's smart yeah okay I like that that's what I would do I mean if your parents are okay with knowing that you're doing therapy or you have to hide the whole thing from them no no they're fine with it yeah they're they're aware of it yeah I love telling people it's such a it's like yeah it's like please just I'm in therapy right now it's kind of like a cop-out a little bit for oh I I loved it like I so I haven't done it in almost a year, but I did it for about like four years. And trust me, when I first started, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to get like a couple sessions in and like, I'm going to figure it all out. And then like four years later, like, holy shit. But, uh, I love therapy. I love telling people I was doing therapy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's great. What's like, I feel like the only people that I guess like frown upon it or think that there's like something really wrong is just anybody over the age of 40 like straight up who like really need it yeah (laughs) (laughs) they're like I didn't figure out my shit yeah neither should anybody else that's right that's exactly right (laughs) well that's good I'm glad you're doing that yeah it's been great like my last therapist uh was amazing like he helped me so fast like I was kind of at like this like low point and then I called him because he like specialized in anxiety so then uh, we just like sorted everything out and everything was fine and then I had my last conversation with him like when the pandemic first started and he hung up the phone with me because he first of all he's in his 60s so like I get that technology is maybe new but he was like uh he's like you know he's like I'm on my flip phone right now I'm not on my laptop and he's like it's gonna die and he cut the therapy session short like 20 minutes and just was like okay uh yeah I have to go my phone's gonna die by and then I was like whoa like that is so wildly unprofessional I cannot justify seeing you again so I had to find a new one and yeah 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 a therapist having a flip phone (laughs) yeah yeah I know that's concerning yeah and he like You're like am I your only client like are you okay <laughs> <laughs> like how are you not paying enough bills that you fully have a flip phone he has to go and like re-register it at a gas station or something oh my god yeah yeah he needs to buy a new card for it or whatever the fuck <laughs> like I uh I don't did you ever uh watch the Sopranos no, Honestly, that's an older show, but uh, okay. In that show, 
the main guy has a therapist and then she also has a therapist to deal <laughs> with him like she needs a therapist for dealing with someone in the mafia and, <laughs> and I in my mind or like I have always been like that is a show yeah like the therapist needing a therapist should have been a spinoff show yes like that is so funny to me and also like that character was like a really good character oh, um, and I just imagine like your therapist having a therapist yeah I think they actually do that for each other that's my theory I think they all help each other it's like community yeah, yeah. well it has to it's like how like yeah it's like these are, they're just human beings like it's not just like a brick wall mm-hmm. that you can like scream into and absorbs everything like they mm-hmm. have to have a coping mechanism somehow yeah um, that's I don't think this therapist though has another therapist like I truly don't I don't nobody think he needs does. one no he what goes phone to thing is like he goes where he randomly will like go to Brazil for like two months and I'm like and he just like never explains why is he from uh, there no okay <laughs> no he's not from there but he'll just like go to Brazil for like a few months and uh one of my closest friends also sees him and I'll be like hey have you heard about like where a therapist is and she's like oh yeah he's in Brazil he took off I'm like he didn't even tell me like he doesn't even give me a heads up he just like picks up and flies to Brazil and wow. then you can't get a hold of him yeah Wow. Yeah. This guy's no good. Yeah. (laughs) But he was so good at his job. Like he was so like, honestly, when he had his office and I didn't have to deal with his flip phone, he was good. Yeah. He was a good guy. And it was like a, yeah, it was nice. I liked his office. I liked where it was. There's something about like the act of taking yourself to therapy that just inherently makes you feel better. Even though like they haven't Mm -hmm. spoken to you Mm -hmm. yet, there hasn't been any worksheets. It's just a, I don't know self-care makes you feel like you have like things are under control somehow yes I would agree with that because like like there's some sessions that are like real breakthroughs and some sessions that kind of meander a bit and but you still feel like no I'm still being like productive here yeah yeah for sure I can't even imagine I think if I saw my therapist with a flip phone <laughs> I mean it's different in your case because he was like I'm on my flip phone my phone's gonna die and then cut you off but I'm just saying like if I had the time I feel like I would have turned that session around and had a lot of questions like (laughs) I wouldn't let my therapist get away with that (laughs) I don't know if you're like that but I would have been like what the fuck No, I was so passive about it but you're right there's so many questions it's it's the sketchiest thing it's also like just because you have a flip phone, why does that excuse it dying? Like you have clients. Can you Yeah, like this is a scheduled phone? appointment? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a scheduled appointment. It, make sure your phone's charged. I don't know. And also like that's such old technology that he should be familiar with how it works. <laughs> that's right. That's not new technology. For like 20 years. Yeah. Minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was so passive about it. I was just like. I would have been like, do you have bad credit? like (laughs) what's happening uh i'm gonna need to see your last bank statements actually because that's (laughs) like like, is my can i just pay your phone bill like directly (laughs) instead of giving you my fee can i just like give it to can i just transfer it that's our trade-off it's like 25 bucks a month or whatever instead of a hundred and thirty dollars and i 
you're gonna hate this even more paid him the full amount because i didn't want that be session about it for the session and it was cut like 20 minutes short mm. mm-hmm. very bad i don't i don't hate you for it yeah but don't do that again don't i know but i i hate that i feel like it trickles into other areas of my life like i don't think i'm I don't know if I'm like a passive person. Like I definitely catch when things are wrong, but I don't confront anybody about it at all. But I think that's more normal than not. Okay. Like I think most people are like that. Yeah. Like they don't. You're not like that. Like if you like, especially with, I don't know how you are with shows and stuff, like paying comedians and things like that. I'm I'm the most passive person like on the face of the earth. Yeah, I've and, never confronted somebody about pay for a show. Yeah. But um no, it just depends on the situation. Like I just feel like like if I'm paying for a service and I'm not getting that service, then like I don't know. It depends. Like it's yeah. Yeah. I think with a therapist, I would be more emotional about it, is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> like I wouldn't like Yeah. It's a problem. Like it's fucked up. Like it's mm-hmm. it's definitely not right. And looking back at that, I was like, that's definitely like if I was to ever confront, if I had one person ever in my life that I was able to confront, uh, it would be that my therapist in that moment. Yeah. Well, you know what? Like in all fairness, I haven't been like this all the time. It's only in more recent years that I'm more not that I I certainly don't like confrontation, but I'm more comfortable with standing up for myself. Like I would not have done that like at your age. So Mm. yeah, I think that just comes with time. Yeah. And like, I saw a therapist when I was 21 and saw it for like a year and a half. It was pretty good. And then I think that was like, however far she could get me was as far as I was willing to go Mm. in hindsight. But, but at the time I was like, I'm good, you know, but I really still was not good at all. And then uh, yeah, it wasn't until like years later that I started to see a, a therapist again. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. She was weird uh, though. She was weird. <laughs> like, the oh first- my God, let me tell you better. So <laughs> she, so I met her through a friend of mine who's in university. And I guess like when people are studying to get into psychiatry, they need to do 10 case studies mm-hmm. um, in order to graduate. So I was one of her case studies. So I saw her for like 10 sessions for free and then gave her like a discounted rate after that. And she was like this French woman and she was older than me and she had lost like a significant amount of weight, like 150 pounds, like, and just like, kind of like turned her life around. And she had this place near like Young and Finch. And it was like this really tiny, narrow, like townhouse that just had like all these stairs. And she conducted the, these sessions at like the top room of all the stairs. And it was all painted like bubblegum pink, Mm -hmm. like a really bright, harsh pink. And there were like floating shelves with like teddy bears all around the room. <laughs> Yo, she was like, like she was like a, a hypnotherapist. So what that is is essentially you get hypnotized, and the idea is that you go into a subconscious state and that you can reveal or discover things about yourself that you wouldn't 
be able to tap into otherwise wow okay <laughs> i have i have so many questions so so <laughs> how old were you at the time you said 21 21 yeah okay and you'd never done therapy before so you saw like no. the infinite uh like c- circle floating shelves of teddy bears and you were like yeah, yeah that makes sense this is fine yeah yeah <laughs> there's no plaque or anything on the wall not no certification just like 700 <laughs> Uh, beanie babies no. and what like, did what did I know about like calming colors or like <laughs> soothing sound <laughs> that's amazing yeah uh oh, I mean like God. when I was like when I was 21 well I'll age myself at least three times on your podcast like when I was 21 people were not talking about mental health the way they are now or have in like the last like five years or so so like me seeing a therapist was like a very like oh my god kind of thing like like I would tell my friends and they would be like, whoa, you know, like it was like a big deal. So like, I didn't know what to expect or what, you know, what to think, or I was just like, oh, she seems like a nice lady. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. That's amazing. What was, she didn't have any like glass dolls. Like it was just full teddy bears like just yeah little- like I mean what I recall is like yeah like real like beanie baby style bears like not not that they were all beanie babies but that type of plush toy that's amazing was she like yeah. a builder or just had an obsession with teddy bears I honestly don't know like I think she had done a lot of like self-help and a lot of healing but probably wasn't like totally healed herself if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah. you know, which I think is actually a lot of therapists. Yeah. Really? So you think that they haven't, they're still in the healing process. Yeah. Like I think therapists get into therapy because they've overcome a lot and then they're like, I want to help people now. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they don't have their own like <clears throat> traumas or demons or. Oh, for sure. They're human yeah. beings. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. So funny. So funny. And then the hypnotherapy part was that effective like was it were you actually like in some sort of trance I don't recall being in a trance like I um (laughs) I do remember just feeling very relaxed I do remember that and I remember like like basically the process was just like oh like when you're feeling really stressed or what you're when you're feeling really anxious like you should give that like a color you should give that a shape and uh and then and then she'd be like okay like now let's get you in like a calm space and now let's give that anxious feeling like a new color and a new shape and so basically the idea is that when you're in everyday life and you start to feel like high anxiety, you can like take a deep breath and like almost sort of like meditate on the spot and like turn that feeling into that new color and that new shape that like brings you into a more calm space. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, so it's like, um, like a deeper form of like meditation kind of. So like those thoughts just come immediately instead of you having to like remind yourself in your phone or something like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know if I should... I don't know if I should categorize it as meditation, but it was like meditation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And did it help you? Like, did you notice a difference? Yeah, it helped me. Yeah, it helped me quite a bit because I used to be like, um, I don't know, like I've always been ambitious, but it was like I was a real combination of like confident and insecure at the same time. Like I believed in my ability, but like was very anxious and like needed validation like a lot. 
and uh it kind of helped me just like it just helped me breathe in those moments it didn't help cure my need for validation (laughs) but it was like a coping mechanism like it helped me get by for a while and then when I was older I was able to do like more deeper work in therapy than that yeah that's good Mm -hmm. wow that's interesting hypnotherapy I just I have like control issues so like whenever I feel like I'm out of control of like my state of mind or like body I get like very anxious uh that's like a huge source of anxiety for me like drinking Mm -hmm. like smoking weed anything that makes me like lightheaded or makes me feel like nauseous or I'm like okay why do I feel the like you know I've been drinking but then feeling the effects of like actually being drunk make me scared and anxious I don't know if that's actually a problem like that actually sounds like a really good thing (laughs) yeah maybe I don't know yeah I mean if you felt that way completely sober that might be different but I think like wanting to feel in control is like not necessarily bad like that's just a part of you that I I mean I'm projecting here maybe but it's like that's just a part of you that's just trying to protect you in those moments I don't think that's bad and you know what like like drinking and like weed and other drugs are not for everybody like I like I like drinking socially I don't like drinking alone I don't drink alone. It's like a rule of mine. Um, I will have weed like a couple times a year, but like, I'm not like, I could never be a pothead. Like, it's just not for me, but I don't think that's like, something's wrong with me. Like, I kind of respect like, oh, if that works for you, that works for you, but I would be a vegetable. I'd be a useless vegetable if I was a pothead. I, uh, I mean, like I, I've just heard it. Cause like I am but well, I have anxiety. So like I have it even when I'm not drinking or smoking or whatever. But like the last time that I tried weed was like really fucked up. And like, I've done obviously shows at the underground, like, you know, like it it Mm -hmm. becomes a hot box or the hot box cafe. And it's like definitely getting something from this. Yeah. Like a contact high. Yeah, for sure. But, um, I tried, I bought like a sleep oil because I was going through kind of like a bit of an insomnia phase. My sleep was all fucked up. And, uh, I bought this like THC oil and I took too much of it once and I was like with my friends like they were about to like we were about to part ways and I took some and I just felt out of my mind like Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure if it was like a combination of like having a real panic attack and like I was just scaring myself but dude it's like my face went numb like my arms went numb I was just shaking like it was just the worst experience of my Mm -hmm. life threw up didn't know what the fuck was going on. I was like on the phone. I called Joanne Baker at the underground. I was, I was like, you're going to have to explain to me what's happening. Cause I feel like I'm dying. Aww. And oh my God. I just remember like she was talking in the phone, but then it, it was like, I, I heard, I was hearing her, but I wasn't really paying attention. And I was like, okay, like I'm aware that I'm not paying attention to somebody who is fully talking to me. That's scary. Mm. Uh, and it was just a disaster. So I was like, I'm never touching that again. Cause that was just a fucking nightmare. Yeah. That's more than fair. And you probably had like, like you said, like too much, especially like for your first time, but mm-hmm. also it's like, maybe that's just like, not for you. Yeah. But I hate when people try to like tell you otherwise, like, they're just like, Oh, like yeah. that's just the initial part of it. You just have to get used to it. It's like, that's a shitty thing to get used to. <laughs> like, You're like, I don't have to get used to yeah. it. <laughs> Why do I have to put myself through that again in order no. to go to sleep on time? I don't know. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, no. 
different different strokes for different folks basically yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. um yeah that's I I mean this podcast is about like mental health and wellness and stuff like that so I love talking about therapy Mm -hmm. I also love talking about dating just because it's Mm -hmm. a huge you know part of our lives and as like comedians and writers it's like who the fuck even has time to do that ever Mm -hmm. Uh, and dating is legit miserable for anybody uh, in the entertainment industry so I'm always like curious to get um, everyone else's take on it have you done any FaceTime dates have you done any walk dates (laughs) you know it's so funny like before the pandemic like I didn't have time to date and now that I have time to date it's like it's literally against the law (laughs) (laughs) pretty brutal It's like the world is conspiring, so I never like have children. Like that's what it feels like. <laughs> um, at the very beginning, I was trying to do like um, some online kind of dating and did like some virtual dates with this guy who I ended up never meeting like in person. And we talked for like a month in like. And when I say like we talked for a month, I mean, we talked like we texted each other like every day, like throughout the day, had like at least like one like long Zoom call, like a week, that sort of thing. And I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then he kind of just stopped, like he kind of like just cut off communication with me. And then going back to the beginning, I called him out and I was like, like, that's one thing I stopped being afraid of. I stopped being afraid of like looking like I'm crazy because I'm just like, you're the one that did the rude thing. And I'm just going to tell you, you did the rude thing. So I'm not like freaking out, but I was just like, Hey man, like, that's not cool. Yeah. Like, if you don't want to talk anymore, like fine. But like, that just wasn't cool. And so then we ended up having like this, another zoom call where like he, apologized to me like he referenced some like very um (laughs) uh for lack of a better term unusual health problems like I'm trying to be I'm trying not to laugh like it's not nice to laugh at somebody else's (laughs) problems but it was kind of funny (laughs) Uh, I guess he was just like really insecure about it and I get that but I also just felt like you know once again just like a huge waste of time and I, uh, which is like, fine, whatever that happens. I, uh, <laughs> I'm like, should I tell you the health problem? That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I think you should. We can always edit it out. if. Okay. Yeah. Cause okay. So basically he told me that he has like, um, he had a back injury a few years ago. Fine. Okay. Like, and then uh from that he has like nerve ending problems and some he tells me sometimes not all the time sometimes he loses feeling in one of his hands and then he like showed me his hand like on the zoom like this and I could tell that was a dead hand and I was like And I was like, oh my God. And I was like genuinely like concerned. Like <laughs> it's so mean that I'm laughing now. But like I really was concerned. And then the thing, and then and then I was like, I mean, I didn't say it quite like this, but I was just like, what are you doing about that? And then he basically told me nothing. And that was, I was like, wow, I've really dodged a bullet here. Like it's one thing to like have a horrible accident and then have like a nerve ending problem and like blah, blah, blah. Like that sounds horrible, but to not be dealing with it 
is like pretty severe. Like I can't imagine being in a state of mind where I'm like losing my hand and not being proactive. Like I I can't imagine. And so, I mean, he said that he was kind of like discouraged with dealing with doctors with his back and, and stuff like that. So I'm like, I again, I can't fathom what that's like, but I can't also fathom not dealing with it. And the whole thing was just really bizarre. And I, I think like what happened was, is that like, he started to feel close to me, but he knows he's avoiding this pretty massive issue in his life. So then I guess he's just in a pattern of like getting closer to women and then bailing because he's not taking care of himself. Wow. That's wild. Right. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's pretty bizarre. And like, uh, obviously, like, I wish this guy the best. Like, I really hope he figures this out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we showed you again, and you're like, yup, I was like, that, holy that fuck, up. that's a dead hand. <laughs> that's so fucked. <laughs> holy just, shit. I know. And I was like, wow. And, and look, this guy did not for the record did not discourage me from dating but I haven't dated since and it has nothing to do with him it was just more like in the summer when things are kind of coming back like I had the sense that like this was the window to to date but I also just felt kind of overwhelmed by the uncertainty of just like my own life Mm -hmm. and like my own sort of like employment and like where things are gonna go and uh uh, so I, I was just like, you know what, I just really want to see my friends again and like kind of utilize this time, like get back on stage again. And then obviously we're now in this like second lockdown. And uh, I mean, I don't really regret it. Like I just felt like it's just so, I'm sure you've had conversations like this with other people. Like it's just really weird to date now. Like, oh, you just go on a walk or like there's like nothing to, to do. I don't know, man. I just felt like I can't, it just felt so foreign to try and date under these, uh, circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. See, I'm like the kind of person where like minimal physical contact is ideal for me. Like okay. so you're thriving. Gonna, yeah. I'm just like, Oh, we have to stand six feet apart. Amazing. Um, we can only FaceTime whatever it is once or twice a week. Perfect. Because I feel like it, I don't know, you're really getting to know somebody. Like I take things fucking slow, like Mm -hmm. slow. I want to feel like I'm friends with this person before uh, like anything sort of physical happens. So it's been good and like just getting to know people. And like, if they're not cool with just like FaceTiming, then you're like, okay, well, I guess it's, uh, I guess you just have different motives. I guess you just don't want to get to know me on that level or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's kind of good in like weeding out those guys that just, uh, you know, want to hook up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you get to like see kind of where they live. Like there was this one guy who I was seeing who just had like a plain shelf in the background, just like pl- no furniture, just a shelf with, oh, and then at the yeah. very top of the shelf was like protein powder. And I was like, this is not your work. Yeah. That's, that's so funny. There's this guy that does like a popular sports uh, podcast and uh it's like so funny it's like oh okay like he's like this big time guy and then you suddenly like you see him in his house through zoom and it was just like the the most empty bedroom I've ever seen (laughs) 
<laughs> in my life. Like it looks like a place you take someone to murder them. Yeah. Like it was like just like a a mattress and a sheet, like not even like a cut like a blanket on top of that. And then his keys, like he dropped his keys on the bed. Yeah. And Uh-oh. then and then just like a window and then him and his mic. And I was like, buddy, you gotta <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like you gotta fix this up. Like, no, I don't like keys on the bed situation. That's like, what do you have a mantle in your? Like, did you rent a motel? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's where you put your keys in a motel. Straight up, you put them on the fucking bed. Yeah, Uh, it was super creepy. Oh, that's so funny. Men, um, like straight up, don't know. Like, the inside of their apartments and stuff like that is Mm -hmm. genuinely scary. I think a lot of straight men kind of think that one day a woman, a woman will come into their life and just fix it. Yes. I think a lot of men are like that. That's see, I, I hate that. I literally hate that. Yeah. It's like, just put like basic furniture in your house, like literally just anything in your house other than like, they'll have like a TV and like a chair and then mm-hmm. just like coffee stain on the, on the wall. And like, that's fine. They're okay with that. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, I'm not like, brutal. Yeah, no, I'm not the kind of person that's like, I want to fix you and like, I want to help you. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to heal you with my decorative skills or whatever. Like, let me take care of this. Like, I'm definitely not like that. I truly don't give a fuck. It's like, you either know how to do something or you don't. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be your side mom. I feel like a lot of men <laughs> yeah. are looking, they look for side moms, like guys that don't have their shit together. Yeah, absolutely. And like, even like, like guys in, in, in comedy, it's like, oh God, like, do like, I don't know if, not that I've been with that many, but like, I don't know if there's a guy in comedy who like has a headboard. <laughs> <laughs> no. Cause anytime anybody did come over and like saw my room and they'd see like a, like a normal queen size bed with a headboard, they'd be like, wow, money bags here. And I'm like, this is a normal bed. <laughs> This is how you're supposed to live. Money bags over here. <laughs> it's like, no. Oh, that's so funny. I know we're all artists, but like, holy shit. Yeah. Get a grip. Um, <laughs> literally just a grip. <laughs> I hate that. I don't like that at all. I don't like yeah. that. Yeah. And then it's like, man, I didn't think I'd be over 30 dating guys without like a headboard on their on their bed like without but a bed frame it makes sense they're never gonna have a headboard like they're no, all never they'll be 50 and they will not have a headboard never never yeah. I, it's been a, a like I stopped I made a point to never date a, a comic again and I have stuck to that so yeah it's hard because they're funny and like wit like funny men are so likable and uh mm-hmm. we're funny so you want somebody who makes you laugh and like has a sense of humor you know mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one thing I feel like I've really bumped into since I decided I wasn't going <laughs> to date comics anymore is I think like other guys, I mean, they haven't told me specifically, but I, I get a strong sense that they're quite intimidated by me and what I do. Like I, and that's been a really difficult hurdle because at first they think like it's cool and then they get all freaked out. Like, oh my God, are you going to write about me? Like, what are you going to say about me? And then it's like a lot of guys pride themselves on being the funny one. So it's like the only guys who don't are 
actively not funny. (laughs) 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 So it's just like, oh my God, like, it's like, it's hard to ask a guy who is funny not to allow me to also be funny. Men are, uh, Yes, actively, unless they're only not intimidated by that, and unless they're actively not funny, which is like the perfect way to describe <laughs> it. They go out of their way to legitimately bore you to death. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I dated this guy that was getting like a, a PhD in, in philosophy, and he was a very nice guy, um, but quite humorless. <laughs> like, quite humorless and uh that's tough because it's like as comics it's like we want that part of our brain like stimulated you know and it's like hard to be in a relationship where that isn't being stimulated and then it's like with guys whether they're comedians or not but maybe they're just generally funny and they take pride in being funny I want them to have that I would never want to take that away from them but I don't want to have to like dim my own light at the same time like I want someone that's just comfortable with me as I am because they're comfortable within themselves. And I don't know why, but that's been difficult to find. Yeah, that's the perfect way to describe it. Somebody that is comfortable within themselves. And I think that, uh, especially for us, like you have to, that's like the number one thing. And that's also the hardest to find. And like, people don't get that. I feel like that are like not Mm -hmm. comedians. They're just like, oh, he's nice. He's cute. Like what's wrong with him? I'm like, he literally has no sense of humor. Like it's (laughs) impossible. And yeah, and they get freaked out or like intimidated. And that part is weird because like, we know what our job is like. It's like, we're literally just going to tell jokes. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't think you're an interesting enough person to talk about you on stage either. Like, why would you think that I would do that? Um, and they just are, um, I don't know if like afraid is the right word, but they just like, I don't know. I heard Jerry Seinfeld describe it once as like men think all men think that they're funny the same way that all women think they can interior design. <laughs> and I was like, if that's, that's actually true, really funny. If that's true, that's fucked. Like if, if all men are literally just walking around thinking that they are funny the same way that all women think they can interior, where then we're in trouble. That's fucked. Yeah, I had to, I've recently accepted that I'm not good at interior design. (laughs) Like I like a lot of colors and I like things that are way too busy. (laughs) And I've had to learn how to edit over the years. And like, I saw pictures of like my old bedrooms that I had like as a teenager and it was terrifying. I was like, this is scary. Like, this isn't even (laughs) cute. This is goddamn scary so that probably explains why you were comfortable in your initial therapist's office you're like yeah that's why I was like oh this is normal honestly facts yeah I also had a weird looking bedroom but I wasn't conducting therapy in there so (laughs) that's true that's definitely a (laughs) new threshold um I think that's great I think you're doing based on what you've told me like you're just doing the zooms and you're getting to to know people it sounds like you're doing a great job (laughs) thank you so much for saying that that's amazing (laughs) That's all I need anybody to tell me is that I'm doing a great job. At yeah. I'm doing my best. That's all I can do. Um, and I had this conversation with my therapist recently and I'm not sure if you're like this. I, from what I can gauge from other female comics, we're kind of like have the same pattern, which is like when we first start doing comedy, you're just like, no men, like literally no men. I like, 
I, I was like, I didn't, I started when I was younger. So I was like, I don't, I've seen what it does to my friends. They just become like boy obsessed and fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And I found this thing that I really want to focus on. So I'm just going to put all my energy into that and like not ever have a boyfriend in my life. And then after doing that for so long, I just, I don't know, ingrained it into my subconscious where I'm just like, yeah, like dating is disgusting. It's uh, being in a relationship is for gross people. I thought it was like, <laughs> like when I was, up until I was like 21 I was like relationships are disgusting like I I felt genuinely embarrassed for myself if I wanted to like be in a relationship with a guy because I was like I've just seen what it does to people and like I'm focused on my career right now that's cool I'm focused on my career and then uh that became extremely lonely and I was like it would be nice to have somebody who um you know is there to kind of like cheer you on that's not like your parents or like your best friend, you know, and somebody like romantic and like, not until I started bringing it up in like therapy sessions, have I actually actively tried to work on it. God, that sounds so healthy. No, it's not. <laughs> it's really not. No, but I mean, just like your, your path and like how you came to that conclusion and how you're working on it now like I think that's so I think that's so great and definitely like don't be hard on yourself you know like don't be like no so bad that I thought that way it's like there's nothing wrong with like taking some time to focus on your career and then learn about yourself and then figure out how like another person can fit into your life like I don't it doesn't to me as a maybe as an outsider it doesn't sound um unhealthy yeah but I also think like maybe we're more socialized to that than male comedians because they mm-hmm. will do they will do everything they they don't give a fuck like they will also women think that they're hot even though like they're not the cutest just because they're funny like they will get a date after a show I've never been approached after a show by like a guy in the audience that was like hey I thought you were really funny do you want to go out sometime like that never happens wow that uh hurts. true not once. And um, because I feel like it, we're socialized to believe that it's this thing where like, if you get into a relationship, like you have to like go to the family functions. And if you don't, then you're like, you know, crazy. Whereas like, if you're a man and you just decide not to, I feel like there's more freedom socially. Whereas I was like, okay, yeah, he's out at gigs or whatever. And he's doing comedy. So he couldn't come to like this family function. They're just like, okay, yeah, he's independent. Mm-hmm. He's hardworking. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, if it was a woman, I feel like people are more judgmental and they're just like, okay, well, I guess she's just not committed or she just like has problems or something. Uh, absolutely. And, and I think like, I mean, other people listening to this might disagree with me and that's fine. <laughs> but I just feel like a lot of men carry themselves in a way where they just assume things will fall into place. And quite often they do. And I don't think women approach life that way. Like, I don't think we approach things like, oh, things will just come together for us. It's more like, no, I have to work hard. I have to be great at everything and I have to do everything. And I have to have all the best laid p- plans and everything um, for anything to work out. And, uh, cause things aren't guaranteed, not that anything's guaranteed for anybody, but I think we sort of know there's like stigma and other things we have to like battle through that. I yeah. don't think a lot of guys sort of have to like, I mean, with comedy, I mean, you know, you, 
a guy goes up on stage and everybody just assumes they're funny before they've said a word. And then when women go up on stage, you can like, I have physically seen at comedy clubs, men fold their arms and like lean back (laughs) with this, like, prove me wrong, like smirk on their face. And so it's like, we have to work harder to get them to unfold their arms, lean forward and clap. And 100% to that point, if a man goes or a, or a woman, it doesn't matter who it is. If somebody goes to a comedy show and they see one woman, one female comic who like doesn't have a 10 out of 10 set. Now all women are not funny. Mm-hmm. Where if they see a man have like a bad set, they're just like, oh yeah, he was still quirky though. Like I thought, you know, like they, they yeah. don't paint like, it's not like okay, it's one man that does this. Now it's all men. But if it's one woman, then it's like, I'm never seeing another female comedian again. Again, It's like, eh. it's exhausting. Yeah. I've had multiple audience members tell me that they didn't think I'd be funny. And then they were surprised when I was funny. Yeah, there's there was uh, Taylor Tomlinson, who's like one of my favorite comedians. She posted on Instagram recently uh, about there was like a man in the crowd who brought a flask and was prepared to drink himself to sleep because he found out there was a female headliner and he came up to her after the show and was like hey like you did so great I didn't have to take a drink from my flask and she was like what the fuck like that's wow. fucking wild it's wild wow and, and that's it- like <laughs> such an indictment on that guy like yeah. honestly He's like, yeah He's like, you were so good. Yeah. And that happens a lot. They're just like, and people think it's a compliment. They'll come up to you and be like, Hey, like you're the funniest female comic I've seen or whatever. And it's like, I understand that in your mind, you think that's a compliment, but it's actually, um, offensive Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you don't support female comedians. If you're telling me that I'm the only female comedian that you like, or that I'm the only funny woman you've seen, it's like, then you don't fuck with female comics. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't, you're, you don't care about the art. You don't care about, you don't care about comedy. And it's like, what is the one thing that, wh- why? Because I left out my like relationship bit that night. And you're like sick of hearing women talk about their period or something. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to write a period joke one day. If you mm-hmm. don't like it, then you, um, then all of a sudden you hate me. So it's like, I, then you don't support female comedy. <laughs> Chelsea Peretti has a great bit about that. And she's just like, if, if men had periods, like they wouldn't shut up about it. Like every male comic would just be like, I'm bleeding through my dick. Like that's what all comedy would be from men if they had periods. Yes. Oh man, that's so funny. That's fucked, man. But yeah, back to um, the thing. And it's, it's even comes down to like, you're right about planning and things like that because we men, I think it comes down to at the end of the day, like, a biological clock, I guess, mm-hmm. like a, mm-hmm. that kind of standpoint where it's like, okay, if I want to have kids by the time I'm 35 or 30, whatever, then it's like, then I need to accomplish X, Y, Z at this exact, in this five-year time frame, And then this after that, and this after that, where there's so much more planning. Whereas men are just like, yeah, I have literally all the time in the world to have kids. Uh, if that's something that I want to do or not or whatever. Or like, yeah, or like, oh, I could be 50 and then meet a girl 15 years younger than me yeah. and make it work. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Where, where that doesn't exactly happen the other way around. 
So it always just feels like for us, we have to give something up. Something is, has to give. And Mm -hmm. I just always thought of relationships as this thing where I'm just like, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I would rather, if I write new material that day, like I will go to an open mic and cancel on your family gathering or whatever. Cause this is just what is most important to me in my life. And if that doesn't work for you and makes you feel whatever, then I, I can't help you. Mm-hmm. but like we can figure out another time to do this or something. And maybe that's wrong and I'm still like working on it and whatever, but. I think you'll, I think you will find balance. Yeah. Over time. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, if we go back to that for a bit, like I remember when we were talking about like dating and putting like career aside and like are all like female comics sort of similar in that way. I, I am to a point where like, I've always put my career first, like always, always, always. But I think for me, the distracting thing about being in relationships was for so long, like my self-worth was about how other people felt about me. Mm-hmm. And like, when I was in a relationship that would just get so amplified to the point where it was like really unhealthy and like every sort of like negative thing that guy would do in that relationship would be a reflection, like, on like what I'm worth and which is not how to be at all but like I was that way for a long time and so then becoming self-aware of that was like okay I'm self-aware that I'm like this but I've never experienced a relationship not being that way and so now that's kind of the terrifying thing like how do I just like you know healthily be in a relationship like I still am not entirely sure and now like in this pandemic like I've been thinking a lot about like moving and like going to LA and doing that whole thing like once I'm like vaccinated and things are open again and then it's like well do I date knowing that I want to leave the country yeah I don't know man it's just so many questions and it just kind of sucks that it took so long for well not so long I shouldn't be hard on myself but a long time to figure certain things out to be like a healthy person. And then suddenly it's like, I'm 35. And then suddenly this pandemic happens. And then there's this, like this anxious feeling of like running out of time to like have all the things that I want to have in life. And then you lose like a year of your life. And it's just like, I don't know, it's all beyond my control. And I think like, I just have to worry about what I can control Mm -hmm. is the best way to put it. But with you, like, I think like, I love your devotion to comedy and (laughs) and I do think you should be able to skip out on some dinners uh, to try new jokes and uh, you know, you'll find a partner that's supportive and you'll just figure out like what works best. Cause sometimes you'll be like, you know what, this occasion is actually like really, really important. And it means a lot to them and it might actually mean more to them than this one joke. Yeah. 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 And also to like, as you get like, like, uh, I, I don't know if you felt this way. I feel this way. Like, as I started to get better as a comic, I became less afraid to try new jokes at like paid gigs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, sure. oh no, like, I've, done, I've done open mics or I can't, I cannot, I yeah. made that mistake, like just before the pandemic happened. And I was like, that guy is so, he will kill me right now. Like, I'm not, I'm done going to places where like, I will literally get murdered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I did those places for like, I want to say like maybe three years. And then, and then I just felt like I had literally aged out of them. Like, I was yeah. like, I'm good. I will do all my new material at booked shows. 
I yeah. keep a calendar. I'm pretty good about it. If like family and friend things come up, I'll work around it, but I'll be like, I'll go, I'll leave early. Yeah. You know, make an yeah. appearance and then get out and do my, yeah. do my set. I guess I just have a fear that uh, it will fall to the, to the back if I, it'll fall to, you know, not as much as of, of a priority. If I start seeing somebody that like, I actually like and want to spend time with. Cause like, I've heard comedians be like, yeah, like I wanted to go to a show but my girlfriend really wanted me to stay in. So like I did that and I was like, man, I don't, I don't ever want to do that. Mm. Um, I don't want to be in a position like that, but also it's, yeah, it's circumstantial. It's like, maybe they didn't have to go to that show. Maybe it was literally an open mic and they just wanted to spend time with somebody that adds value and, you know, peace to their life nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, ultimately like you want to be with somebody who understands who you are and what your priorities are. Like when I was dating that photographer, it was like, he didn't care that I worked at night because yeah. he also worked at night. Like he would cover different events and like, Oh, like we had a date, but then he got a gig for that Saturday night. So it was like, I wouldn't hold it against him and he wouldn't hold it against me. And so it's like finding people who you kind of have like that kind of common ground with, I think is like really important. Because yeah. I think like for other people who work like nine to fives, like they don't, they don't get it on the same level. They're just like, why would you <laughs> go out of your way to do this? And like, oh, you're not even getting paid. Yeah. Like, why would you, why would you do that? But I think people who are kind of like either just in the arts or just ambitious in general kind of understand more. And I feel it's hard for me to date people who are outside of that world. Yeah. Totally. 100%. Yeah. 100%. People with like nine to five jobs because it's just a different, it's a completely different lifestyle. It's like, well then, I mean, this is just, how does it work? Like you work during the day, I work at night. So we just like see each other for like two hours between five and 7 PM. Yeah. I mean, like it's a different lifestyle and it's also just a different approach to life and it's, di and it's having different priorities and, uh, I, I personally find there's a big difference between people who are ambitious and people who aren't like, I think people who aren't ambitious don't understand what it's like to actually want something like they work because they have to, not because they want to. Mm -hmm. And, but we're the exception, like we're the rare breed. <laughs> and so I feel like it's always important to understand people. Like I don't want my comedy to come from an uninformed place or to feel like I'm alienating people or to put myself up like I'm somehow better than other people because I'm ambitious and they aren't like, I think that's fine. It's just, yeah, it's just a very different approach to life. And I, I think it's difficult to marry the two. Yeah, 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 totally. 100%. Um, did you have like a healthy idea of a relationship when you were growing up like are you <laughs> are, like were relationships I don't know like did you ever think about like getting married one day like did you ever have like those thoughts where you're just like oh yeah I can't wait to like have a wedding um, princess on my wedding day so I um I did not come from a family that had healthy relationships uh I did dream of being married but in a real like superficial way. Like I, you know, like I dreamed about the wedding. Honestly, I can still, I could tell you right now, I know what I want my wedding to look like. I know what <laughs> I want the dress to look like. And I know what I, what colors I want. 
Like I do actually still, sadly, it's bubble gum and there's a lot of teddy bears. It's yeah. teddy bears instead of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all pink. Um, and, but again, like that's really superficial. Like that has nothing to do with actually being in a relationship. Um, and so, yeah, like it's hard. Cause it's like, when you don't sort of grow up with those things, they're not ingrained in you and you have to like learn like through things like therapy, like how to be in a healthy relationship, but they're not like, um, how do I describe it? It's not like a, a sixth sense. Like it's like this learned thing. It's like, you know, like when you learn how to ride a bike when you're a kid and then it's like, oh, it just comes naturally to you. Right. But when you learn a new skill as an adult, if you don't keep doing that skill, like you lose it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's what it like being a healthy person and being in a healthy relationship feels like that. Like it feels like I learned how to like swim as an adult or I learned how to like ride a bike as an adult. And it's just not quite the same. Mm-hmm. And it's like if I'm not doing that thing like all the time like remind, you know, like whatever positive affirmations, like you need to do, it's like, you lose it. Yeah. 100%. That's interesting. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you like how I, I'll ask the same question to you. Like how, how has that been for you? I literally don't like I, the reason I'm asking that question is actually because my therapist asked me that question recently. Mm. And I was like, that's so, I feel like that really shapes your approach to, uh, every not everything but just like relationship stuff and like maybe life stuff in general like because I never thought about getting engaged like I did when I was like younger like mm-hmm. like when I was like 10 or 11 I'll, I would say things like oh yeah like I'd like to keep this for like my kids someday but that was before I had started doing comedy and I was just like a 10 year old kid whatever right and then uh and then I don't know what happened if it was like after my parents divorced it was like I have genuinely never fantasized about my wedding day and thought about being in a dress and people seeing me in this dress and knowing what this dress looks like and like whatever um literally at all and sometimes I'm just like man like do I even do I enjoy life at all like is that it, it like it has nothing I don't think it has anything to do with that it's just like uh, and it's not to say that I'm never going to want to get married, but just like right now in my life, like, I just don't, I don't even care when people tell me that they're getting married. Like, I'm just, I fully don't give a shit about marriage at all. It's, it's something that like, I don't want for myself. Like, I, I don't see the point of it. Um, but maybe that'll change the more that I'm just like in therapy, <laughs> but I uh I mean I don't think there's anything wrong with not wanting marriage I think what is important to make peace with yourself is why yeah you know what I mean like if it's like if it's because you're like avoiding something or pushing something away then like that's going to come back and haunt you that's right like at some point later in your life but I think if it's because you're like you know what like this is who I am and this just isn't for me and I'm at peace with that then like, I think that's great, but I think at, like taking the time as you are right now to like ask yourself those questions, I think is really important. Like yeah. for me, I know I want companionship in my life. And like, I want that like person in my life who I'm in a relationship with and is also like a best friend and all of those things. Um, and I don't want to keep going through life alone. Like I, I, I really do want those things in my life. 
Um, but at the same time, I think for me, this is going to sound so weird, but being a comic, being of a certain age, not being of a certain um, financial wealth gap, I just have this thing in my head that I'm a hard sell. (laughs) (laughs) And I really need to let go of this like negative core belief about myself that I'm a tough sell. And that's only a realization that's come to me recently. And I think that's why I've, another reason why I've been avoiding dating because it's like, I don't know how to present myself as like a good person to be with. Not that I would be like, I know that I would be a good person in a relationship, but I just feel like, oh, I don't know. And then even just the idea of like, why am I selling myself? Yeah. Yeah. Like why that too? And so those are the kinds of things I have to like, I have to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, I don't know, for me at least, it's like, if I just like meet the right person, then like, I won't feel like I'm selling myself. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't have to like put on like a hat, you know, or something like that to like make them kind of like me more or whatever. It's like, or, or like, I, I don't have to shape shift into this person that I feel like they would want it's like I, I could just I'm just gonna be myself because then that that's gonna fade I can only pretend for so long uh, I can pretend for like a month max and then after that mm-hmm. I'm just back to being like negative and cynical <laughs> and then my, then if you don't like that then it's just gonna end inevitably anyway you know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I, that's another thing that I brought up because I was like I feel like you know in, like the initial stage of like getting to know someone how you're just like nice and like haha like oh haha you know oh, like yeah. kind of flirty fun whatever bullshit um it makes me feel pathetic like I feel sad about myself when I do that and my therapist was like I think it's just because you're you're a comedian obviously so like being authentic and th- like that's just what we've learn to do that's our mm-hmm. you know survival thing we don't like anything that's like too perfect we try to find holes in or anything that's like normal is kind of uncomfortable for us the initial part of getting to know someone is absolutely sickening and it's just gross it's like I know that we're both pretending and it's like it's just gonna that to me is also the worst part yeah like like being in a relationship I I feel actually quite comfortable and I'm not like afraid of it or, and I don't self-sabotage it or like I don't have any of those faults but it's that initial like getting yeah. to know you putting on the like you said the flirty face and like oh like if you text me like do I wait an hour before I reply back like all of that bullshit I hate so much like I just want to cut through all of that and I just want to like I want to know who you are. I want to see if we have chemistry. I want to know if I like the smell of your armpit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to know you as a goddamn human. And it's hard to like cut through the bullshit. Yeah. And and get to that without coming across like super aggressive. Yeah. Because like, if somebody did that to me, I'd be like, whoa, you were way too much. So it's like, I'm a bit of a hypocrite as I say all of this. And I'm like, very aware of that but it's it's more like I just wish that like um I don't know was just like a bit more normalized um what has your sorry to like change gears so fast no go for it what is your writing schedule like like are you working right now like when we were in stage three 
were there some things that like came up for you or are you just like me where I'm like, okay, I just like, I'm making up shit to put on the whiteboard. I'm like, you gotta write for however many hours a day, do this and then keep some sort of routine. So like, what's your, what's your routine? Like, I guess. That's amazing. I have not successfully mastered any sort of routine in this uh, space at all. I've actually really been struggling with being overwhelmed and not like and then I was trying to find like literature about it and everything that's written about is like, you're overwhelmed because there's, you're too stressed, but I'm overwhelmed by all the nothing Yeah, that's yes. going on right now. Like having all this time and all this uncertainty, like, like lack of stability hurts me creatively. Like yeah. if I'm unstable, if the world's unstable, I don't find that a good place to create. Like I need to be in a good and safe place to yeah. be creative. And so it's actually really hurt my, my writing and creativity a lot. Mm. Um, with that being said, uh, over the last few months, things have gotten better. Like I, I went from April to end of August without any kind of employment whatsoever and then in August, September, October, November, I got some like punch up work, like on shows. So like adding jokes and stuff like that. And uh, actually one really like huge, like celebratory thing is I got to do punch up on a show with this guy who he like, he wrote for the office and that's like one of my all time favorite shows. And he did this like junior comedy writers thing. And I actually like low key fully lied on my resume. Like I took, I made myself sound more junior than I am just to get in this thing. And fortunately I got in and I got to sit in one of his writer's rooms. And then I emailed him afterwards and uh, sent my pilot. And then he actually read my pilot and was like, Catherine, this is great. You're officially on my radar. And then a week later, like hired me for a few days on a show to do punch up. And I was like, this is incredible. This is one of the highlights of my life. Like finally writing a thing that got me a job. Like, yes. Like, even though it was only for a few days and it was, and it was punch up. Like, I mean, that's still something it's still huge and I really really needed it because I was just like uh just in a space of like nothing going on <laughs> in my brain for a long time and like after that happened I was like you know what I could keep needing professional validation or I could just call it right now <laughs> and be like I'm good I'm talented enough I'm worthy enough and now just focus on marketing myself and getting work and not worry about what other people think anymore and and not like applying for contests and festivals all the time and worrying about those kinds of credits and so that was like a huge win for me this year was like after that happened I just decided you know what like I'm good and those are the things I'm going to stop chasing officially and just look at the work and so this month I've been having like more meetings with like my literary agent and like, I want to set up meetings and I want to do like more like networking through zoom and like get my pilot sent to more people. And I've started a new pilot with a friend and we've got like pitch meetings lined up for it. And that's really helped me like having a friend to work with. So I guess now I have a routine of like writing a few times a week. 
and uh and then uh in between um just trying to be healthy i I joined weight watchers again (laughs) i'm going on daily walks so i'm like at the stage where i'm trying to find routine and i have a few positive things going on in my life but it took a while to get here so that was a long answer okay first of all you said so many things first uh, so all, sorry no 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 no. like <laughs> I love it thank you so much for for saying all that because now I have so many things to kind of like spiral off of first of all congratulations that yeah, is so amazing thank you and the fact that it like you said something that you did this is your work and this is you're showing it on your work instead of it being like a resume of credits you got this because you're hardworking. You did something that you believe in. This is a show of all of the years that you put into it. And, um, and that's fucking incredible, dude. Congratulations. That yeah, sounds thank like you. come true. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. And I, also to what you said about validation and stuff like that, it's like, and you know, what's funny is that I feel like sometimes um, you kind of like I've been doing comedy now for eight years and you would think that I would have more self-esteem, but you're right in that sometimes like I am definitely one of those people where it's like, I don't want to get something unless everybody is in agreement that I deserve it. It's like, why don't mm-hmm. I just tell myself that I deserve it? Why don't I just tell myself that I deserve it? Like um, 100%. And it, it's like, I guess we probably got exciting things at the same time because at the end of September, I got the just for last taping mm-hmm. and that was something that like I was like it was a, also a dream come true moment for me it's like something that I've worked towards but still at like my core like my first thought was like they made a mistake I was like did somebody drop <laughs> out <of the> last <laughs> minute? dude I'm not kidding it was like did somebody drop out of it last minute and they're using me to fill did they just need a woman on the show blah 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 like I'm just like listing off all the reasons why I shouldn't be excited about it or like I don't deserve it or whatever mm-hmm. and it's like at the core though of like who you are and like what you're creating it's like you're not like this was a dream of yours to get because you do believe that you deserve it so it's like just put all that self-doubt away because it doesn't serve you at all just makes Mm -hmm. you feel bad about yourself and takes away from this amazing experience and just like own it and do it Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's incredible that's amazing I fucking love that yeah thank you uh, maybe like not, yeah, not needing external validation is also something that I'm working on for sure. It's like, if if I don't feel like it's, it's kind of like that fraud feeling where you're just like, okay, Mm -hmm. everybody's going to figure out that I'm actually bad at comedy and that I shouldn't (laughs) be here and I shouldn't be doing this. Or they're going to figure out that I'm like really stupid and, and not listen to like, I had a mental breakdown one day because I, there was like a spelling error on the description of a podcast episode and I put it on the internet and I just like literally had to call like four people to talk about it. Like it's insane. I was like, people are just going to figure out that I'm like stupid and I shouldn't have a podcast or like, I shouldn't have a platform to like talk on. It's like, it it was like an invalidating thing. And then, uh, (laughs) Like it's insane. It's something that I'm still. No, I, I mean, I completely get it. And first of all, congrats on getting JFL. Like that's so friggin' cool, and you absolutely deserve it. And I mean, we kind of started around the same time, and I've obviously seen you come up over the years, and you're awesome. 
and I I totally get like um, everything you're saying about that spelling mistake and stuff. And I think as comedians, it's really hard for us to not need external validation because it's literally ingrained in the art form. And I remember I had a point where I was like five years in, I was doing, I would say quite well for being five years in comedy. And, uh, I remember like, you know, doing my set doing well. And then, oh, this one joke didn't get an applause break. And I would feel so low, so low. And I remember at one point it kind of hit me, like I did like a really good job and I felt numb and Mm -hmm. I was like, this is not normal. Like this is not okay to get that much validation and feel nothing. And I had to kind of change my relationship with comedy because I was like, I still love it and I still want to do it, but I need to make it about me and like my point of view and what I want to say and what I ultimately want to do with my life and not about the moment, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So it's like, before the pandemic, like I was doing jokes that like, honestly, I never quite figured it out. It wasn't really working, but it was a premise I believed in. And so I was like really sticking with it because I was like, no, I believe in this premise and I want to make it work. And I don't want to worry about the other judgmental comics in the room or, you know, them seeing me and then not getting the the next gig or the next opportunity it's like I need this to be about something I believe in yeah and that was like the only way I felt like I could survive and continue doing stand-up comedy because I was like I will completely lose myself if it just becomes about the moment and nothing else so I think that was actually probably in some ways a detriment to my career because I don't think I was as strong of a comedian in the last maybe I would say two years like leading up to the pandemic like I'll be the first to say it I think my my work in like years three to five were probably better but I was like no I need to do this for me and I need to talk about things I believe in and it can't just be about getting the laugh right well also um I think that success is measured in many different ways especially Mm -hmm. end of comedy it's like okay maybe this joke didn't go well tonight but I do believe in this premise. So it's personal success for me because I'm being persistent with what I believe in. Yes. And uh, sometimes it takes you to like, cause you mentioned, you were just like, I don't think my act was as strong. That's what you, you're saying. Right? Yeah. Like, okay. I think that uh, taking a step back and just like reframing your perspective mm-hmm. is a huge success. Like even yeah. just being able to understand that and know that uh, and to do that is just a huge success, also very brave. And uh, at the end, at the end, what you're going to have is a product that you're extremely happy with that is killing and doing great. And also that you fully believe in. And these are premises that you worked hard on and that you saw through to the end. And that's way more rewarding than the initial or instant gratification of maybe doing something that you don't believe in, but you know, is kind of like a crowd pleaser type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I only found that out when I started going to like small towns to do comedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately for me, I feel like I spent way too much time around older male comedians that believe that like, that have been doing comedy since like literally the fucking 90s that are just like, you have to kill in the small towns. You have to go mm-hmm. to in the middle of nowhere and be able to destroy. It's like, I actually don't. Like, 
Mm -hmm. I, nobody has a better understanding of the industry than somebody who is currently active in it and has been more recently. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that, um, I think that's great. I think that's a huge skill to be able to go and kill anywhere. Uh, but I don't think that to say that it's necessary and to say that like somebody's a worse or comic for not, or a lesser comedian because they're not killing in Sarnia, Ontario does not make sense to me at all. And I completely disagree with that because it's like, I, I, I can just write about things that are true to my perspective. And maybe if this doesn't make a lot of sense to uh, this demographic, this older demographic mm-hmm. that came out, it's like, well, I mean, I can't really help it then, uh, then so be it. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna find an audience through going on tour to like a million small towns. It's like, mm-hmm. now you find your audience by like a joke going viral and then getting like 2000 new followers overnight or something or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then those people will, will come and find you no matter where you are in the city because they're fans of yours. It's like, you don't really have to do the legwork anymore. of like going to small towns, going to here, going to there. It's, it's like, true. Like the game's changed. Like, let's be yeah. real. Like, yeah, it really isn't about that anymore. And uh, I also think too, like, it also kind of comes down to what you want out of life. Like if that's what you want out of life to headline and kill at all of those clubs and small towns across North America, then it's like all the power to you, but it does, but it's not that way or nothing. Yeah. And like, I personally don't do as well in small towns and I haven't spent enough time trying to do those shows or trying to find like what my, like what out of all my jokes works in those places and stuff like that. But I also know like, this isn't ultimately what I'm trying to do with my life. And for me, like, I, like, I love writing and like, I want to be a showrunner and I want to have my own show and I don't necessarily want to be on tour and headlining across like rural America. Like that's not, that's not the life goal. And like, so I'm going to cater what I do differently. And like, Um, yeah, at the end of the day, you're right. It just depends on what you want to do with your life. And if that means a lot to you, then go for it and do it and figure it out. Uh, That's awesome. But I think in terms of, yeah, I guess maybe what I want to do, it's like, I don't, yeah, I don't find any, I guess, worth. What, what do what do you want to do? I would love to just move to the States. Like, I just want to do what I can here because I know that when you move there, everything that you've accomplished means nothing anyway. Yeah. So I'm just trying to, I guess, make the paperwork look good and have, um, an experience here that I, and maybe have a country that I can like return to for work and stuff like that. And like, I love Canadian entertainment and I love our scene. I think it's amazing. But if you want to like make more money Mm -hmm. and maybe have a little bit more to your name than like going to the States is the only other option. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just want to do that. And it's like, I don't think that the same jokes that like kill in Sarnia, Ontario are all so impressive in uh, like a New York comedy club. Yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised. I, I personally think American audiences are way easier. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think they're way easier. I think no disrespect to anybody listening, American comics just straight up, not as good. Honestly, yeah. because their audiences are really easy and they're less challenging. And like Toronto audiences are really friggin' hard. They are hard. And so it's like, it's a lot of work to make them laugh. 
because a they're Canadian. So naturally we're just a bit more shy, also highly pretentious. And so like, I feel like if you can consistently make those audiences laugh, you're probably going to be pretty good in another major market. That's so interesting. So American comedians not being as good or like the audiences in America being easier is, uh, is so interesting because it's like, um, I think that you have to work twice as hard to get uh, any sort of opportunity here because uh, there's like literally only three comedy festivals. Yeah. And in order to get those comedy festivals, you need to be a specific type of comedian. Whereas like if you're mm-hmm. an all dirty comic and you're super vulgar, like a big Jay Okerson, I don't think he would ever do anything for the CBC. So that cuts off like two out of the three comedy festivals. But in America, he has, there's like a bunch of different platforms where like his comedy is okay and he can be, you know, who he is and have his voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I do feel like in a lot of ways we have to work twice as hard. It's like, you have to have your clean stuff and your dirty stuff and you have to be like way more adaptable. Whereas like maybe in America, um, festivals and things to kind of like get your name out there have less, I guess, restrictions. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think like at the end of the day, like there might be less stage time in like New York or LA, but I think once you're on that stage, like we would kill it. And I think ultimately like it kind of comes down to the right person seeing how you can be marketable in the right way and finding the right people to collaborate with to make that happen. And like, of course, like that's really hard, but I also just feel like I need to go for it, man. I need to go for it. I need to friggin' try. I need to know, like, I just don't want to be in Canada knowing that like a hundred thousand dollars a year is the absolute most I could ever make yeah (laughs) doing what I do like I need to know that like the possibilities are endless and that's the only way to to feel that way so who knows maybe we'll be roommates yeah (laughs) and also when you get there when you do get to America this uh like validation thing needing it from other people and the um self-doubt mm-hmm. we have to just put that to the side we have yeah. to just put that to the side because at the point at that point if you're like okay I've moved countries I am here because I believe in myself and that's it well that was uplifting <laughs> what a funny <laughs> I feel uplifted now yeah good well, it was such a funny uh, note to end on here yeah yeah <laughs> um literally thank you so much for doing this podcast I know that you also have a podcast do you want to plug it here at the end yeah sure uh if anyone's listening who happens to be an NBA fan uh I do a, a show called the Buckets and Tea NBA show and it comes out every Monday and you can find it on Spotify or Apple and uh, you can follow me at it's me underscore Catherine spelled C-A-T-H-R-Y-N. Thank you.